and we are back. Episode 44 of the Lyrical Ones podcast. I am grateful and thankful to be here. My name is Sineo. And as per usual, Alfluent, how are you doing? I'm doing well. It is April 14th. 2021 and it's another Wednesday we are broadcasting again live and you know it's a lot going on in the world um, before we get into that let me know how you living um I am living with much much thankfulness much insightfulness much reflectiveness um not in spite of, but because I just released a song to release today. I was going to ask about that. On. You've been you've been you've been dropping some some things lately. Yes, I have been doing my best to remain consistent in my release of music, of new music, of quality music for people to listen to and enjoy. Um, you know, a lot of it is what I like to call head heavy content um, of varying degrees. This one is much more uh it has much more of a bounce to it much more of a uh this is like to me what i consider one of those driving songs like a song you drive to when you you know when you're on the freeway being safe but uh you know you're feeling yourself and you're driving this is one of those songs for that but it's a you know it's a song about just what you know the outcome of grinding is right like grinding people always associate with the hustle but um in the double speak, the the duality of it, right? We usually grind something to resurface, right? To refine, to smooth out, to shine. And shine on is the name of the song. So it's like that theme of what is it that I need to do so I can allow myself to shine. And, you know, it's for everyone. Everyone deserves to shine and have a moment in the sun, if you will. And that's what this song is about. Hence, the artwork is bright yellow. So yeah, I can I'm dig doing it. good. I can I can dig that. You know, you got a uh, you got a feature on there, yeah. So it's gonna be uh, uh, the next nine songs I release every two weeks is produced by this producer, incredible producer out of L.A. Uh, his name is Tula, and so. Nice. The reason why the the artist name is my name plus the producer is because I but I believe in the producer as just as present through the process of the creation of the song, given that they are they are literally everything that I'm speaking to or speaking over or integrating my words. So you know I'm you know a music producer first and foremost shout out to timbaland for inspiring me to even think i could do it but you know at the age of nine watching cmc music and seeing alia one in a million i was like how did they put crickets in this dope song i need to be that who makes the crickets go there so i learned that like okay this is a music producer and that's that's what got me into music was producing music i always wanted to do it and so when I work with the producers, I'm always going to uplift and highlight that they were a part of this process. And so Tulip is that producer. We got more tracks to come. This is one of nine for, you know, the next 
every two weeks you'll see another song posted from me and a different subject matter so you know right now it's shine on next one you know I, i'm gonna let y'all know but they'll be out every every two wednesdays so that's that's what's going on right now nice I, I I appreciate, you know, the, the heads up and also the flashback to, you know, Aaliyah's one in a million. Um, growing up, listening to a lot of music, a lot of great producers over the years. I was always a fan of uh, the storytelling aspect of the music. Um, that the musically, the instruments would start you somewhere and then have you end up somewhere else. And as I got into lyrics um, and how storytellers would do the same thing, or paint this picture and bring you into their world, into their day, into their life experience, um, I think I saw how they could complement a great production on a track, you know, with a great story. You know, because growing up, I, you know, listened to like Earth, Wind and Fire um, or The Drifters or Help Melvin and the Blue Notes or Smokey Robinson, um, even Ronald Isley and the Isley Brothers and uh, Ernie, Ernie, Ronald and Early, Ernie Isley. Shout out to the Isley Brothers um, and, you know, two producers, uh, Timbaland and Swiss Beats, who, you know, started this versus tv thing um you know it's platform for them for artists to kind of showcase their work and celebrate their work you know kind of give opportunity people to give their flowers to their art their favorite artists um, while they're still here but as i listen to you know a lot of great music with a lot of originality a lot of you know original productions and songs in the 60s and 70s when i heard a song like the message by grandmaster flash it was like oh i know the streets in my neighborhood that look like what he's talking about i know the corners and the blocks in my neighborhood and in my city that look and sound like what he's talking about you know when he when they showcase a skit where folks get into an argument, I've seen it happen outside in my in in my my youth. Like I know, you know what that looks that looks like. You know, even you know, like NWA would you know take the same same track, right? The same production. Ice Cube take the same production and put together, you know, check yourself and simple you know sample a track and then i see it used in a different way um then i see puff and mace take the same track right musically and then change the tempo a little bit and also again paint a picture and if production wise because the production tells a story the the artists are able to then layer accompany it with an another story um and a lot of times people think of the production as accompanying the lyrics and sometimes i think it's the, the other way around 
um, where it's the lyrics that are accompanying the story that's being told in the production. Nah, I feel, I feel, I agree wholeheartedly. There's a lot of, there's a lot of conversation right now around creatives and like ownership. And, you know, that extends to a multitude of realms where it's like, you know, you might work for a company or agency and you might have an idea. And if you're not aware of kind of the, the messaging behind where what space you hold, like, what do you what do you bring to the table? And then who owns the ideas you come up with? You know, like you might make a curriculum. You might be a teacher. Right. And, you know, the canvas is kind of what the school offers around you. And then how do you fill in those those gaps? And you might have a cutting edge way of coming at, you know, subject matter. And how you approach that could be a point of contention for someone to say, well, we own that. That's ours. Right. So there's true. a lot of layers. True, true, true. And, and right now, you know, I agree, like as a as a producer, what I consider myself a producer first, I think of the producers that I grew up on that like really had me like, you know, we were just before we were in a pre-show, we, we were kind of going over some Dr. Dre classics. And, you know, it was that that idea of this producer who made this album that in a lot of people's eyes is considered a classic front to back where, you know, there's a story being told on two levels, right? The production's telling the story and then every lyricist or artist that is performing over those those kind of instrumentation, right? The, the, the backdrop of the scene, you know, it's like that, what is being given, what's being delivered through the production. And so, you know, I think... Um, there's a lot to say about just, you know, one ownership, right? Because people be like, man, producers, they just make the beat. But it's like, yo, that beat could make or break your whole song, right? It ain't it ain't like you just getting up there giving people acapellas. And there ain't nothing wrong with that. Ain't nothing wrong with acapellas. Ain't nothing wrong with spoken word. But those are different aspects, right? People don't remember Michael Jackson for his his solo vocal achievements, right? It's what did he create that gave you this space of like bewilderment, right? Prince was a multi-instrumentalist, right? There's a lot of things to take into account when we look at music and producers, you know, for me, I'm an advocate for those that need advocacy. So always for the producers. Oh yes, for sure. And, you know, and a lot of, and a lot of artists like yourself, you know, contribute during the, during the uh, production process. And, you know, you find things that work, you know, speaking of, you know, great producers and speaking of Swiss beats, you know, he lost a friend and a brother, um, Earl Simmons, Darkman X, KDMX, the dog, big dog. Um, and, you know, lost him to death in the past week. And, you know. We may have lost them, you know, physically, but, you know, so much of his contribution and his energy, um, you know, still carries on for for folks. And, you know, it was like I think what's interesting about DMX and is his uh, his passion and his vulnerability um, and his genuineness allowed us to know everything that was troubling him um in a way that 
the tabloids couldn't tell us what he hadn't already told us. Um, there was no news outlet or media outlet that was gonna trump him in getting a story out. He had already told us who he who he was and what he was struggling with and what he had been struggling with, um, you know, through his music. And it's interesting. It reminds me of like uh, like the Deadpool or rap. <laughs> Um, where you know Deadpool would often break the fourth wall as a as a character, and and talk to the audience. And I feel like a lot of times, DMX was talking to everyone listening, talking to himself, talking to his family, um, at times talking to his grandmother, who had passed, who he missed, um, as well as talking to his creator who he um, felt was in control of his life and would provide comfort. Um, and as he was someone who believed in God, he was, he was not paralyzed um, by a lack of accomplishment. So, so he would be in a place of progress and working on something but he didn't hide where he was struggling he didn't hide what he was working on he didn't hide where he felt he needed to grow um instead he was was honest to some degree about you know where he would like to grow into and at the same time inviting his audience to to empathize and sympathize sometimes but more so see them see and hear themselves in the music and um you know if he was having a great day you could listen to him if he was having a horrible day you could listen to him if you was um upset with your family or your your significant other or you was upset with yourself you could listen to him if you was disappointed in yourself you could listen to him if you felt humbled if you felt confident if you um was feeling yourself if you were angry if you were mad, if you were upset, if you were frustrated, he had music for all of that. Um, if you was a hater, he had music for you. If you um, hated the haters, he had music for you. If you was loving the haters, he had music for you. And is uh is really interesting that as he would share in his struggles, he was also still um, enabling. Uh, a toxic masculinity that was causing harm to people in the streets, in his audience, um, for women and for um, for queer listeners who, whether they, even if they didn't listen to his music, it was hard to escape popular rap um, at the height of his career. Um, so when you had anthems that uh, denigrated folks and insulted folks, it was tough to like not hear those lyrics everywhere. Um, and I can only imagine how tough it may have been for folks who to hear those lyrics recited um, out in public and not internalize those things. Um, and so like it wasn't always causing me harm. 
but you know causing harm to classmates or um, schoolmates um, family members and cousins um, as people internalize those lyrics and then use those lyrics to harm people um, use those use those lyrics to enable them um, to hold on to and reiterate a mindset or a perspective of people um, that you know kind of pressed people down and like to your point, people remember Michael Jackson's body of work in a track. You know, they remember the whole whole thing, not just the the lyrics or not just his voice, but also the music and the dance steps and the visual video presentation, the visuals. Um, you know, whether they saw him live or they saw the crowd, or you know, they saw you know Mike popping and locking or moonwalking. They they remember everything that he was, and similarly with DMX. Right. Like without Swiss Beats production, we don't know if X is sounding the same way. Matter of fact, X did a lot of stuff a cappella and sounded great and, you know, had a, had a great um, delivery and cadence and energy um, and conviction, you know, to his voice. But we still remember the you know the horns come on and you hear the mess go woo and everybody knows the words after that you know and it was sometimes it was like a, a call and response it was like commands he was giving to folks right but he was talking about himself y'all gonna make me lose my mind y'all gonna make me go all out um and I think that even though it's presented in a catchy beat, you know, as a narrative, you know, to a struggle. Um, and, you know, people may have, you know, used it to amp up their sports teams or, you know, amp up their they work day um, or get themselves ready to go out and party. But it's at the end of it, you know, it's like a, it's a narrative for, you know, being on the edge. Oh, that's real. I mean, there's a lot of complexities um, that are created by people who are vulnerable, who who put themselves out there, who give themselves to the world in a way that is, uh, you know, because you got to remember at the same time, people are the outcome of their environments. They're like, they're the reflection, the mirror of what they come from. And, you know, it's so many layers and complexities in who DMX, you know, is to people and was for the music world and the energy that he brought, right? Like, you know, there isn't, you know, it's hard to draw. Like, you can always say, oh, this person reminds me of this person, those lines. There will never be another. You right. It will never be another DMX. It's just so, it's, he's such an anomaly, but also like, exact, like, was so needed for the time that he was here and what he did for people and what he represented and how he, he showed up. Because, yeah, there was the level of harm but it was also that level of acknowledgement of like his willingness to admit his faults and his flaws and how he he's not trying to live up to this grandiose idea of I'm better than you. 
right? If anything, I'm the worst of what the world has to offer. And I want you to feel that. I want you to know that. I want you to be afraid of me, right? One, two, X is coming for you. He, he's treating himself like the boogeyman. And the thing that I appreciated most was that he never showed up as somebody who was flamboyant. He never showed up as somebody who was trying to stunt on people. Like if it was a stunt, it was the biker crew that did stunts in the video. But he wasn't like iced out, head to toe, dressed in the finest clothes. Like he was. Now his flex you know, was that he was authentic. He was wearing a tank top, baggy jeans, and some like Tims. Like that was his. That was like yeah. that was it. You see what you got, and that's he was consistent with that. He never. You know, he wore the same. I remember, I remember we like when he was popping 99, 98, we went to like Safeway because they had in the in the dog where the dog aisle was, they had the chains, and we would buy the chains and wear the chains. Right. Because DMX wore a dog chain. Like he wore a real like dog choker chain. And we were all like, oh, we could get one of those. Right. And it right. was like remembering that. And, and seeing that whereas every other rapper it was like oh you got to save some money for some teeth you got to save some money for a chain right and if you even then you you know it's fake if you got it from the swap meet because you ain't you know what i'm saying you got it from a flea market you ain't really that ain't real but you try and dmx was like the the entry the in, the level of entry was so low that it was like your dmx starter kit was a lot different than any other record label so it was what you already had at home exactly right oh we i got this i'm taking my dog's collar today but that's what i'm saying is like he was so quick to own up to it that he didn't shy away from it and he was super transparent it wasn't just vulnerable it was like that it was everything was available to you it wasn't like he was gonna hide you know and, and he he was processing his pain as he was living it and those prayers like you know, I, it's crazy. I don't, I, and this is where it's like, how could you say this? But I don't believe I ever went to a concert and, and heard DMX pray. But every time I've seen one of his prayers, I felt like I was there. Right. I know for a fact who I've been to their shows and who I haven't been to their shows. And DMX is the only one where I get confused because of how, it's so breathtaking how it just captivates you because i know for sure i've seen the hard knock life tour movie and dmx is always the one that stands out to me right oh yeah for sure and when he has those prayers and he breaks down and he cries it's like you're you're in the moment with him right you're transported to wherever he is and that's the thing that is always hard for me to discern between did i experience that firsthand or did i experience that watching on the screen and he's the only one that's ever been able to do that for me. So, you know, RIP DMX, you will be missed. You know, you, you leave, you're left leaving behind children and so many different people who love and care about you. And, you know, your impact has definitely been felt. And there's much to learn from our constant discovery of his life and exploration of the experiences he, he gave us all. For sure. I think without... Without DMX, um, there's a lot of cultures that don't, a lot of culture that doesn't exist um, when it comes to the communities that were created, you know, just in, just in bike life. Um, Man, bike life. That, like, you know, that opened, that opened up a door 
for you know peoples of color that you know it was there were small communities and then you know it's he's funny he's like Allen Iverson you know you know brought a lot of people but DMX brought a lot of people together as well um and was uh like polarizing and trailblazing um in in a very similar way and yeah I think DMX's uh his his flex was always that I am more real than you are like I am I am I am tangible I am authentic right like you said not just not just vulnerable um you know but like right here you know in your face you know and like you said like I'm the I'm the worst you know, but I'm also, you know, fully present, you know, in my in my growth as I you know as I go forward. Like he was never like going. I'm I'm going backwards. Like it's interesting because he when he talked about his struggles, it wasn't from a place of defeat. Um, when he talked about his struggles, it was from a place of hope. Like I can get through this. Yeah. Um, and I think that that is something that, that touched people's hearts. And I think, you know, when you talk, when you look at the world today as, you know, so much is repetitive and reminiscent and so many problems are still, you know, unsolved and unresolved. Some of the issues are still there. We still need We still need voices to to speak of hope we still need voices to you know not not revel in the the um in the the material things um we still need folks artists creators to focus on the uh the heart of the matter um the community the brokenness the injustice and you know see that for what it is and you know try to you know move forward um yeah and then i never feel like dmx was rapping at me <laughs> i feel like I, he was rapping with me and he was inviting me to like to rap along um that was an interesting thing about x is that yeah it was it was always it always felt like no matter what song it was, and not even like all his songs, like some of my, you know, some of my favorite songs, um, you know, he was he was talking to his own struggle or talking to himself or talking to his neighbor. Um, but I feel like he was singing speaking speaking from my voice. He was on like he was speaking from like my side. When I hear when I hear stop being greedy, I feel like he's talking for me to to say ribs is touching, don't make me wait. Mess around and I'ma bite you and snatch the plate. Like I know a hunger that feels that way. Um and I and I know like people who are left out and looked over and marginalized who feel that way. Um, and so like when we talk about like advocacy, um, 
and folks who need a voice there are folks who have a voice already and people are not necessarily listening and and some people are screaming like dmx and people are still not listening right maybe because they ain't got swiss beats production maybe people are not hearing their screams but there are women and children there's and trans peoples and and migrants and immigrants and displaced people who are screaming and we we need to listen better right like women don't need to be louder men need to listen better right poor people don't homeless people don't need to be louder right the programs are there why are we not looking at programs that already existing we shouldn't have to wait for the trauma or right 300,000 people to die from coronavirus you know for there to be you know a solution right we shouldn't have to wait for like a man shouldn't have to wait for him to have a daughter for him to see women as as human as people as equals um right shouldn't have to be some kind of trauma that binds us together to say, oh, they need backup. Um, and when I when I look at communities, and I see I see people like, oh, patrolling neighborhoods to stay, you know, right, to help people stay safe as a deterrent. But also, like, what makes a deterrent is community. Right, community also makes a deterrent. Um, the, the easy thing to do is reject somebody. Right, cancel culture culture is easy. Right. Cancel culture is just a microcosm or just like a social representation of what the prison system is. Right. Just discard somebody altogether. Let them be in Twitter jail. Right. Or whatever. There's no rehabilitation happening. They don't get better at being in the community and in the community they come back to them folks is not even great at welcoming nobody into community in the first place. So they somebody gets kicked out of the community or discarded and they go away for a little bit and people come back and forget about whatever they've done. Like maybe the general public, you know, you know, treats them like a normal person. And there's, you know, individuals who remember and they say, oh, I, I forgive, but I won't forget. But did you really forgive anything like or like were you ever trying to heal this situation? Like conversation needs to happen, not just kicking somebody out altogether. That don't that don't fix nothing, right? Then we see that with the prison system all the time. It's people don't come back rehabilitated. They don't. They're not in prison, getting better at being a community. <laughs> they not. They not in prison, learning rules. <laughs> they learn it. They in survival mode, literally practicing like fight or flight on a regular basis most of the time in prison not not forgiveness not communication not active listening not humility that's not what's being practiced you know as you know the you know united states government you know offers cancel culture to someone who's got a you know marijuana possession charge and is you know on a third strike is in is in prison serving you know, three to five years or more. And they're not they're not learning how to not smoke weed. <laughs> they 
they there stressing about other stuff and wishing they were smoking weed instead of like having no outlet at all. And then and then mad that you know everybody's smoking weed now <laughs> while they in in prison for for it. Like it's it's wild. But yeah, advocacy, man. <laughs> we need we need we need folks to be screaming. Um, but we also need folks to be listening to the whispers and you know, some of the screams are are right there in front of us. Yeah, I mean it, you you highlighting a lot of different things. There's you know, the as always, there's so many uh layered and intertwined. It's complex, all, man. It's it, complex. It's, it's all complex and we all we get into so much because two things. When you said that about the idea of prison and discipline my response to it was because i've said this but now it's changed right and so the change is now i went from saying it was discipline that they were trying like rehabilitation right like prisons and rehabilitation when we know that you know the 13th amendment of the united states states that slavery still exists come right? work first you just gonna work you in trouble now what we gonna do is the punishment isn't about your rehabilitation to come back into society as much as it is further institutionalizing your mind, right? And the way we do that is we consistently punish you for not knowing how to healthily process your own trauma. Now, you might not have been the reason why you have your trauma, but that's, that's usually what's happening is that you're committing yourself to actions out of traumatic experience, out of adversity, right? whether it's given to you by your birthright, right? You didn't ask for it, it's just given to you, or you fell into it due to just various circumstances. But that's what it is. We're consistently punishing you because when I talk about discipline with my family, I'm talking about my discipline is me being healthy, right? Me taking care of myself, my wellness, so I can be consistent at life, right? So I can consistently practice what I need to do every day, right? That's to me, discipline, right? They all intertwine and they feed. But when I punish someone, I'm now being punitive based off of the actions. And I don't want to do that. I stay away from that. I don't want to, I'm not going to sit here and say I'm disciplining you. No, I'm going to help you develop the discipline you need so you can do what you need to do, right? What you right. need so you can do what you need to do. Now, they they use those words to, to confuse us to associate that term disciplinary actions with punitive punishment, they're not the same. They're not the same. Because if you had, like like you said, you come back into a, into a community that has nothing there, no structure, no discipline, nothing formed to support you, right? It's like, oh, we're going to take you out of the environment that is causing these actions, right? Because it, it's like, if you leave a baby in the woods, the baby's in the woods, right? But you put a baby in different circumstances, situations, they're going to respond and learn based off of where they are. And so let's take you out of the environment that is causing you obvious harm, right? And then we're going to put you right back without any change to the environment, right? It's the same environment you was in, right? We're not equipping you with, we, are we giving you money? Are we giving you money to say, all right, this money's for you to get a, a head start on what you didn't have? No, we're not doing that. We, you're coming out either with debt or missing out on time that you can't get back. You, you had a deficit. And now the expectation is, yeah, live life, pull yourself up by the bootstraps. When the people pull themselves up by the bootstraps, ignore who gave them the boots, right? Like they didn't make the boots themselves. Like 
this is the reality of the country we live in. And it's, it's so hard for people to like wrap their mind around it because that feeds into if you just so happen to be driving, you get pulled over and you're wearing a military uniform and they just don't like your, they don't like the fact that you want to use your rights because of the way your color, your skin is. They don't, they don't like you got an air freshener hanging from your window, right? You got it in the mirror, right in the front. Then you you're now no longer alive to have a conversation about it, right? These are the environments that we live in, and we 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 talk about why is there so much mistrust in the communities? Because that same those same events, right? When we say trust the science, right? When people say that term, they don't realize how you are also ignoring the science. That we are we're living in because that's science right there people getting murdered being killed by the hands of individuals and then we look back at our past and we're like oh well on this podcast we brought up how they were removing the organs of women sexual organs of women at the border right held in captivity right they're now be, they're no longer able to have children because the, the people who are backed by scientific means and standards are destroying these women's future Right. That's the same same. That's the same environment where we can we can point to smallpox. We can point to, you know, the uh, testing of black subjects to COINTELPRO. Right. We're talking about we're supposed to have faith in things and we don't have no real stake in it. And what I'm saying is I'm saying this. If my relationship to science was different from the beginning then i wouldn't have it wouldn't be a matter of trust i'd speak the same language mm -hmm. i would have access to make my own hypotheses test out my theories and come to my own conclusions but i now have to take the same faces who look like the same people who've acted in the name of science in the past by saying i'm not a full human Right, which which you originally put in your institution and you lived up to it, right? By saying we're more like animals. You parade us around in zoos, right? And then I have to live in the same environment where it's like, oh, how did like I look at the news and they're like, How did white supremacists integrate into the military? They've been there. They didn't they didn't they didn't they like this is the this is the sickening part of the country, right, that we live in. They they pose the question. How did the white supremacists infiltrate the military? The white supremacists didn't feel infiltrate the military. They've been there. They felt emboldened, emblazoned because they were of recruited. Leadership. Yeah, they, <laughs> they were recruited. They didn't, they didn't even have to be recruited because they was already there, right? Like we were just chilling. But we have, but now we have a call to action from leadership, right? Like the president, right? The they're the what is it? The head of chief? What is it? The the chief? They always the head the chief is. The, the chief, I of staff? Say chief of staff, yeah, right. Oh, and, no, and no, you're talking about the president, the um, commander in chief, commander in chief. There we go, commander in chief, right? So, when you think of militaristic protocol, right, and you think of call to action, the commander in chief made the former commander in chief, right, because it was transitioning, right? The commander in chief made a call to action, he alerted his own armed forces to enact this movement right whether it was a legit action that's what happened so don't give me don't give me this this like this falsehood of like 
well, where did they come from? If me as a person of color been have I've communicated in a multitude of ways, yo, it's white supremacist, it's racist, it's all these people who are against me. And then when they show themselves, you're surprised. I ain't trusting nothing you have to say about anything, which then brings me to, oh, one and done. Get you a shot and get on your way. Now, to me, I'm always thinking of how do I reduce the harm, right? So I'm like, what's going to have the least harmful impact, right? And so what do we have to do? We have to struggle. We have to go through a strenuous time of like socially distancing. It's hard on us all. It's a shared collective struggle we have, but it's to, it's to you know, ensure our livelihood and our survival. So I don't have any research or information and we're rushing to get back to a place of normalcy that I'm I'm here. This is late and breaking news brought to you by Cineo from Lyrical Ones. We're never going back to what was. It's <laughs> over. I'm sorry. There's no, there's no rush back. to we ain't going back. There's just that's the way it is, right? Like, like that's like saying to the to the the indigenous people who were like, Oh yeah, there'll be a day. They are working to kill you every day. That's the day. Right. There will be a day. No, let's look at the day we have in front of us. We need to work on surviving. Right. They'll be down when you're dead. Exactly. Right. That is the campaign trail. Right. Talk about the trail of tears. The campaign trail is your tears. Right. So they can slip and slide through. And so in this where like I, I remember vividly looking at the news of a predominantly black church in San Francisco and them using this as a way to r- draw awareness and gain faith and trust in the black community to come and get this one and done Johnson and Johnson shot. And now here we are and they're like, we have to pause because there's been one, one death, right? One, one person's been harmed, not to mention the other people who have been harmed because there's more than one, right? So to me, it's like, oh, could we have taken proper steps and measures to take our time to get here? No, no, no. The outcry and the outpour from the public, the same public who says, how did white supremacists get into the military? The same public who's like, oh, well, you know, the the young man obviously was dressed a certain way because when he had the air freshener or he shouldn't have been he shouldn't have been so smart. He shouldn't have been a smart guy. Like, yeah, just because he's in the military don't mean that he can't respect authority. No, 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 no. Let's rewind the tape. At every point of those intervals, you are the same people. Y'all live, we all live on the same spectrum. We all get treated differently on this spectrum. It's not binary, it's not black and white. It's only black and white when those in power have the ability to make us feel like it's black and white. But mm-hmm. we live on a spectrum, right? And I can understand that. But I hope that there's some grace and some space for people to understand my hesitations to just want to rush to things when all we've ever done is rush into something and we end up being the one who got got. I come from a family where I've lost a lot of family members. And when I look at the data and I look at the, the scientific outcomes of where I come from within my family, I have massive concerns around just trusting these systems. Because all of these systems are interconnected and intertwined. And whether it's acknowledged directly, openly, passively, indirectly, the same outcome is across the board. You want my death. You want my destruction. I don't have faith in any part of anything you say. Right. I'm holding on to a glimmer of hope because I'm alive. 
But every time I talk to somebody and we say we share this experience of life and death under these different circumstances, right? Oh, my grandma, my got diabetes. Oh, my auntie got cancer. Oh, man, they pulled a gun out on me. Oh, man, I can't walk the street safe. Oh, man, I don't have resources access to. I don't come from. All of this connects. Right. It's not it, nothing lives in isolation. You you cannot segment and divide any of this because as my whole experience being a black and brown man in this country has been nothing but a combination of events that have constantly made me fear for my life. And I'm no rush to jump to normalcy because what's been normal has been harmful. And until we push in towards something that's going to be innovative or change. And I don't mean that that incremental, you know, little what do they call it? A we're gonna give you a merit increase, right? We're gonna let's give you a merit increase. How good did you do this year? Based off of the system that I had no involvement in developing, I just had to accept it, give it to me, and it's and now I gotta go along with it. Nah, I'm not the one. Acknowledge what's the harm. Don't place me in no anti-vaxxer category. I'm not talking about that. If there's a vaccine that needs to be taken, I'll take it. But then don't turn around and say, we're going to halt on this third option. And mm -hmm. then I'm just supposed to be like, oh, so my concern about wanting to wait and take my time that I've been trying to, I know I'm in the minority. No, no kidding. Look at my skin color. But the minority of the minority, right? Because my family, yes, I've lost so many. And that was in the hands of doctors who I was supposed to trust their science, right? Exactly. When the same people who... I've had to go through my own advocacy for my health time and time again, in spite of their scientific minds, just because you a scientist does not make you smart. Okay. I don't like, let's get that out the way. You don't, you, you might have the scientific backing of a certification, but trust me when I say you are not the Michael Jordan of your field. You are not the top tier, top three in your league, Right. You are looking for a check. Your motivation is not my health. Your motivation is to pay off your car. Your motivation is to pay off your house. Your motivation is not to see me thrive, right? That's not your motivation. Your motivation, right? I'm not saying everyone. I'm saying there's a good chunk of y'all and I've come across y'all and I'm speaking from my experience. I'm not putting, minimizing anyone else because you might have great healthcare coverage. You might have some of the most important and, su and supportive people in your life when it comes to your health. But in my experience, I ain't had that. I've not been afforded that opportunity, right? So when you come to me and you try to dangle these carrots in front of my face of normalcy when I'm telling you, look, what was normal for y'all was this white supremacist structure that y'all have benefited from for years and I've never agreed with. And then we had 2020 happen and I told y'all I can't go back to what we used to do. And here we are. Y'all got a vaccine that y'all had to pull the plug on because people are being harmed. We are watching a trial of for my most ignorant way of saying a murderer murder someone and we're trying to convince the public that it wasn't a murder when we witnessed a murder when a young man who is traumatized because what he was told to do was follow what society says and society says we need to call 911 on this individual and now he has regrets and he is living with pain that he has to process because he feels responsible to some degree for the death of a man 
that everyone had to watch and witness. But it ain't on him. It ain't just on him. It's on all of us. Right. We all share that. Right? When when there is the indigenous people, right? When they when they want to control a fire, chances are they'll start a fire and control the fire they start. They'll be able to make new new land, new dirt, new earth, right? It's controlled. We don't live in that time. We live in a time where we live in fear of that fire. We're not in control of that fire, right? The fire happens, we can't breathe. Whereas our indigenous ancestors been doing it for years. And here we are now to, as government officials saying, we need to get back to that land management that we used to do before we started eradicating and killing them with smallpox. Go figure. I'm just saying, I look at leaders and I'm like, I look at the pictures they put out and I'm like, I want to see the 360 degree angle because I don't trust the pictures no more. The pictures are not representative of a full experience, right? They're right. they're two dimensional, right? Yeah. You show me a picture of what you up to. You're only showing me the picture. You ain't showing me what you up to. So, you know, I mean, I know that was, uh, you know, that's not to, to minimize the life of George Floyd. That's not to, to minimize the life of Dante Wright. That's not to minimize the trauma, the pain, the impact, the harm being done to, to the medical person personnel in the military Carona Nazario right I mean there was a situation that just happened in Daly City on the 7th right Roger Cornelius Allen right it's no mm -hmm. there's no media coverage but there's a lot of questions when you look at the reports that are being put out maybe it's incomplete information but in Daly City California which is the neighbor city the sister city of San Francisco a man from San Francisco was killed by police right and there's all these these points about, oh, well, you know, a man of color who was sitting in a vehicle with a with a, a replica handgun. The vehicle, the reason why the officers approached the vehicle from the reports is because there was an obvious back tire that was, you know, damaged. Right. And so they went to go and investigate. Y'all not AAA and never have been. So I don't understand was was hmm. as far as the reports are concerned and what's being communicated is was there any threat that was posed to anyone actual versus perceived threat yeah and i'm not speaking from i'm not speaking from you know i've had that thrown at me where i was like i remember a place i worked they were like is this a real threat or a perceived threat and i'm like when you black everything's a real threat ain't no perception ain't no perceived do you sit in a place of authority? Do you have a bulletproof vehicle? Do you live in an area where murder happens? You no longer get to say perception, right? Yes, you white savior lady. I get it. It's easy for you to tell yourself that because you don't have to live there. You don't come from here, right? You, you got to leave your state and your family and come and feel great in your saviorhood to say, I'm going to help all these poor people even though I don't know what that means. I don't know. I don't, I don't have a distinction of what the struggle looks like other than I feel for you. And now I create these boundaries and I try to dictate the boundaries to other people. So you're going to come from over there and tell me how to live over here. Right, right. Right. And then you go back home, right? Because it's inconvenient for you to be here. Guess what? When I go back home, ain't no perception is for my reality. Right. 
And so, you know, it's just, you know, super side note, just because it was on my mind in the midst of that, because I, I was like seeing you nod your head. And I was like, the first time I seen a Rough Riders vest on a motorcycle was on Third Street. Mm-hmm. And it was multiple. That was a powerful moment for me. Right. But as I digress, it is a thing where, yeah, people will try to minimize the scope of your experience in your life to fit their narrative, to make them feel better about themselves. When in reality, we have to respect the differences. There's a big, huge gap between where we are and where we sit and where y'all are and where y'all point your fingers. Yeah, I mean, every time it's like, you know, how how often, you know, folks practicing... (laughs) practicing white supremacists, right, demonize people to justify their their character and their behavior and their uh, the liberties that they seem to have that most people don't share, most minorities don't don't share in. And they empower themselves uh just a guy was, you know, recently interu- interrupted for, you know, physically assaulting and screaming at someone, you know, uh, a young person of color, you know, as they walk through their own neighborhood, you know, he's out with, you know, the he's out walking through his neighborhood. Not he doesn't live too far. He's, you know, from where he's standing, and you know, a guy gets arrested um, for allegedly assaulting this young man um, you know telling him that he doesn't belong in the neighborhood and you know folks you know they put it on themselves they take it upon themselves to you know police an area um, because they feel it's policing um, it's not proper policing. It's really just you know domestic terrorism, right? You're right. Terrorizing create, citizens of this country, right? They try. That's exactly what they're trying to do. They're trying to you know create fear so that people operate through their normal lives differently, right? They don't get to enjoy or engage in the freedoms that should be allotted to them. You know that that are their rights because of terrorists. You know, choosing to take the leeway that they get to cause harm and disrupt people, and they can create fear so that people, you know, citizens of color, operate, you know, through their daily lives, you know, altered. And, you know, living with altered thinking and perception and perspective, you know, because of fear. Um, You know, it's just like a scarecrow, right? Scarecrow is literally there to keep keep crows from eating. And, you know, people are walking around. People in the majority are walking around like scarecrows. You know, just in the way 
you know, causing harm, causing people not just to starve, but also to lose their life. Um, and, you know, it's, a lot of it is education. I feel like, you know, when we know more about each other, right? Like, if that guy knows his, where the kid lives, where the young man lives, right? He can't really be saying, well, I guess he could still say it and still believe that, you know, one person belongs and the other person doesn't. But, you know, we got to, you know, fix these broken ties um, and this lack of community, you know, through through active listening, through, you know, better programs to bring people together and also just, you know, why people checking on each other? <laughs> like, if you, yeah. if you say you, you know, yeah, right, exactly. You got to, those authentic relationships where you you know you know somebody who know you know who someone is you know they're good and they're bad right it's like okay this person you know talks sideways i'm like i got friends who talk talk mess um i know that right i know that about them um like it's not something i rock with all the time but i don't right i don't judge them for who they are and you know they know i don't engage so you know, it's not an exchange that we have, right? They may have it, you know, amongst themselves and they have that exchange on the regular um, where they know something, you know, it's not something that, you know, allows me to be, you know, as peaceable as they are, um, you know, when they're talking that way. So, you know, it doesn't come my way. It's not, you know, delivered in my direction. You know, it's not that that I can't take it or that I'm, you know, seen as weak or a party pooper or, um, you know, not a part of the community. Um, there are, or that I, or that I don't belong. I'm still accepted, you know, for, you know, the differences that we have and, you know, they are accepted in the same way, you know, but we choose to be in each other's lives and then create boundaries you know, that work for us. I mean, it's funny. It's funny you, when you said the whole thing about I got people who talk mess because I've, I've referenced this multiple times today and not everybody going to understand it. And it's easy. Like, so, okay. Have you seen this podcast called I Am Athlete? Brandon Marshall, Channing yeah. Crowder. Yeah. Right. So there's, the there's a recent mental health. Well, this one it wasn't about mental health. This one was okay. about NFL players and why they why why is it that now they're speaking out after you know they they said like Colin Kaepernick took a knee in 2016. What's so different between now and then? And they were trying to have this conversation around when you're in a survivalist mindset or when you're in an institutionalized mindset, you don't want to jeopardize your chances of access to what you just got, right? And Brandon Marshall gets up and he's he's like he's speaking with passion. Right. He's speaking with veracity. Right. He's speaking in a way in a tone that it resonates with me because I'm like, I feel you. I've been I've been in this situation where I'm I'm with my boy. We're having a debate and I'm clapping my hands. and I'm like letting them know, like in every aggressive ounce of my energy, how much I believe in what I'm saying based off right. of what I know, right? Right. right. Now, to the outsiders, like, oh, they getting ready to fight? 
right? But if you've been in those situations where you are passionately, like you you have conviction, right? Mm-hmm. Right. If you listen to a preacher, he's saying it to a congregation. But if you were just one on one with your people, right, it's easy for the outsider to look like, oh, this is that's look that looks threatening. He's taking a threatening stance. And it reminded me of last year, I'm operating out of pain and I'm telling people how to how to harm is being impacted on me with the same type of actions, passion and tone Brandon Marshall has. Right. And I'm like, oh, that's right. A lot of y'all white people, a lot of y'all people who ain't been through the same adversity I've been. A lot of y'all are people who don't share the experiences of passion and debate that I do. So to y'all, I look like a threat, right? Y'all just see this color face and this man and he's like, oh, he's angry and he's aiming it at me. And it's like, well, mm-hmm. yes, there is some of this for you to hold, but I'm not I'm not sitting here trying to hurt you. I'm hitting here trying to repair the damage that's been done by letting it out, by expressing myself in my most truest form. But you can't receive it because you don't even come from where I come from, where we talk like this, right? Like you just, you can't even, you don't even like the, like to me, I I, I like the, the, the impassioned debates. I love the arguments, right. right? Like I was on JSA, AKA the debate team, because they were like, look, you talk too much in class and you got an opinion. We need to put you over here, right? You get some credit. I'm like, all right, whatever. Let me go argue. I'll argue against anybody, hmm. right? And I see that, I see Brandon Marshall saying to Channing Crowder, and I've seen them time and time again. And it's like, Brandon Marshall gets up, he sits back down, he's cool, he's calm, right? And I think about that imagery because in any other context with any other person, Brandon Marshall could be turned into another campaign, right? Like in any other context, can he express himself safely? Because when a person tells you you don't belong here, first thing is, gives you the right to even think you can tell me who belongs where but the next thing is what happened to you in your life to make you believe that that that's your responsibility to say right what happened to you because something happened you were taught someone did something to you to make you feel some type of way that you felt it was okay right to determine somebody else's rights you don't you don't get to be here right you're running through the neighborhood and we don't like you running through the neighborhood so now we're going to chase you in our vehicle as you run through the neighborhood and then you're going to get shot, right? And now, now what we're going to do, we're going to try and justify it. We're going to justify taking your life, right? In the same context of someone dying from a vaccine, I can't, I can't justify it. I can't say, oh, well, I don't know them, so unfortunately it happened. No, because that could be me at any yeah. given moment. That could be me. That's what I'm trying to tell you. I don't want it to be me because I've seen what death has done. I've seen the impact and I have trauma with that. And there's, you can tell me, accept it. I can, I already accept it. I accept it and now it's ingrained in my head. I don't want to die. So whatever that means, I ain't finna die. You ain't finna get me to get close to death. You ain't finna give me a number and tell me 0.5 because 0.5 might be my name. I ain't doing it. You just ain't gonna catch me, right? Yeah, and yeah, you're right. And like, we shouldn't have to see somebody's ethnicity as the only reason that we empathize with them, right? It's like I should, I shouldn't have to see my skin color 
to see myself in that person, right? Yeah. I shouldn't have to see my gender or my preference to see myself in their shoes. I yeah. shouldn't have to see my my age, um, or that I wear glasses, or that I went to the same school or grew up in the same city or invest in the same company or wear the same shoes that I, you know, empathize with somebody. I shouldn't need any of those things for me to empathize. You know, we should be able to see that there's another person, you know, looking to survive, looking to thrive, looking to grow, looking to, you know, receive and give love, right, that we relate to them. But that's what happens is like, People watch the news, they say, well, it wasn't me. Right? I'm feeling all right. Right? Oh, well, I didn't get the vaccine, or I didn't get that vaccine, or like I get to choose, or like no, nah, I got priority, or I already got mine. But now, nah, like the the idea of that could be me should not be something of privilege right it should it should be something that's necessity it should not be it shouldn't be something that you you know that you're able to ignore or neglect or negate the idea that it could be you or one you love uh, or one next to you you know it's like when it hits home, it should hit home because you live on Earth. For real. And, you know, we got folks in St. Vincent and the Grenadines in the Caribbean who live on Earth, who struggling with water, who access to oh, resources and necessities. Access to resources. Like they gotta deal with deal with the threat of COVID. On top of that, they got regular eruptions of a volcano that's shooting hot ash and, and smoking rock into the sky 20,000 feet into the air and covering, covering the country, covering their water sources with ash while power is going out and there's regular eruptions that could last weeks. And it don't hit home because I've been to the Caribbean. I've never been to their country. It don't hit home because I listen to their music. It hit home because they live on the same planet I live on. And it's out of their control. And they need help. And like it, it sucks because news outlets not talking about it. Like The news would rather talk about something that's got nothing to do with you know the quality of life of humanity right and you know in a cryptocurrency platform you know opening up on the stock market right opening up to investors on you know public investing on stock market right like coinbase got the public offering um they do a direct public offering so without the fanfare of the IPO, but they allow you know initial investors to come say 
we want to invest this much. And that kind of determines, you know, what the public offering will look like. So they put a valuation on it. And so you got a platform that's, you know, valued on the, in the market, stock market at a hundred billion dollars, you know, based off of its, you know, initial public, its daily, um, its direct public offering. And like so much of the news about, you know, money and currency, you know, is a, is about that and what's happening with cryptocurrency and, you know, digital currencies and NFTs and blockchains. And if this eruption was happening, you know, 30 miles north, 100 miles north, and an effect in Puerto Rico or effect in Florida, it'd be all over the news. Where there's regular eruptions. If it was happening in Hawaii, there's regular interruptions that was influencing and impacting the people's way of life, it would be on the news and people would be asking for help. And it would be all these people clamoring to to help. And and it sucks because you know they just they just black folks that <laughs> that was taken you know, brought to an island by by Europeans you know murdered killed tortured and and then you know did they best to work you know work to have a you know some kind of liberty and still you know British colony, right? Like it's, it's countries that still ain't got in their independence. Um, and so because they didn't got in their independence, right? It's other people's responsibilities, right? Not instead of everybody's responsibilities, right? Uh, that they can take care of it. Um, and that's how people was looking at, you know, people navigating this vaccine, right? It's like they could take care of it. Um, navigating this COVID, it's like nah, they could take care of it. Like it just don't hit home for people, and that's that's wild. But you know, it's got to hit home. You know, if it's another living being, you know, that you're reading about. Um, like, you know, I folks is not not celebrating. You know, people's death. You know, like it's one thing to celebrate justice, right? And to say, oh, the justice system, you know, finally arrested somebody. You know, well, justice system finally convicted somebody. Like that's not justice. Prevention is justice. Like when we can stop the Ahmad Arberries and the Trayvon Martins and the Tamir Rices and the Sandra Blands and the Breonna Taylors and the George Floyds and the Mario Woods, like when we can stop folks from being murdered in the first place, right? That's that's justice, right? When we fix and heal the communities that are broken, right? That's justice. When when we can provide for people and, you know, guarantee food safety and shelter, right? That's justice. When you can provide, you know, a mental health response to a person who's autistic in public and who is in need of in need of assistance, 
and understanding, right, then you could provide, you know, that then that's justice. But as long as you got these folks with the ethos of murdering people who they feel threaten them, when they when they practice in that ethos on a regular basis and then their training is reiterated when they when they first step into the academy like we won't, we won't see justice that way they're not catching bad guys they killing regular people they terrorizing regular people regular citizens who who need their protection I'm like, I don't believe in causing harm to no one. I don't. I really don't. I struggle with it. I'm not going to front. I struggle with it. I struggle with it. I was watching a situation where a child and a parent were killed in a car collision due to a speeding motorist who was drinking and had passengers in their car as well. And I'm looking at who they hit and they all went away in stretchers and I'm watching this individual stumbling drunk having a conversation with officers and they just got a bruise on arm and I'm like my initial thought is anger because I have siblings I have family members I have young loved ones who ain't had a chance to live and I always think about that I've lost family members who haven't had the chance to fully live their full life and this happened because someone committed themselves to an action of extreme selfishness, right? You might be going through pain. You might be going through trying to process your trauma. I don't know. I don't know. But in that moment where I see you walking and I see the family that you've impacted and changed their lives forever, having to be carried away on stretchers, people say it as a meme, but as a true Metal Gear Solid 2 fan, knowing where memes come from and the importance of control and information, I'm feeding into it, right? I choose violence, right? Let me spend time with this person because of how they made me feel, this sense of remorse and loss that isn't even directly for me. It's just we on the same planet, right? When I see what happens in St. Vincent, knowing that they are part of the Commonwealth and they, they have gained some independence and they have their own ability to self-rule but they still have been impacted for hundreds of years from british rule not to mention european rule yet in this time of trauma and need i mean what does the response look like of the world to come to their aid it's initially i choose violence right i'm learning how to not say that i'm learning how not to jump at that i'm learning how not to act out in that but i cannot front when i hear about how haiti have fought for their independence and then the on the ocean outside the coast there's the french army telling them you owe us money and you are indebted to us for x amount of years where now they live in a place that does not resemble what was started there right I can't help but feel some type of rage, right? When I hear about the children who got to go work in the mines to go and get the the nickel and copper and all of the, the minerals out of the earth in the different countries of Africa for these phone companies, 
sometimes I just want to choose violence because it's them being on this earth along with the people who are being imprisoned in camps within China for their beliefs. I'm like, what? How can I not have this inclination of rage? How can you, how can I not feel this moment of compassion for these people who are being put in harm's way? To want to see them free, to want to see them in a state other than anything but no sense of harm, no sense of danger, no sense of loss of life or health to thrive, to be happy, to have joy, to find love, to see smiles, to experience bliss yeah. without it being through death. Right. You can find something everywhere. And I, I do my best to say what it is that I can hold and what is it that I can do. And I try to pay attention and be aware so I remain humbled in my approach to whatever I get so that I can share, that I can enlighten, give, to inspire, to motivate. Because as long as I have a breath in my body, I'm going to try my best not to act out in violence, but to think with compassion, to move with love and peace, and to make sure I'm spreading that to everyone because it's hard. Not saying it's easy, but I'm going to do my best. And as I learn from it, I'm going to share my experience with others so they can address what needs to be addressed so we can remove ourselves from harm where it's not just harm reduction, it's the removal of harm. It's harm removal. Because that's what it really comes down to. When we're talking about these names and we're talking about these events, right? We're talking about a volcano that no one has control over, right? right. But people are being impacted and they have no real necessities or resources to support them through this travesty. And we know there's a world where there's there's resources, right? But how those resources are distributed, how they are delivered, who's in control of those resources, right? The, who are those people? And why do they have so much control, right? When you have companies that have to let go of employees, but you have CEOs that are getting bonus, performance bonuses, right? You hear about it time and time again. And someone like Dan Price, who has a tech company, who's now made the minimum wage of his company $70,000 and is growing and that people have wished for them to fail, right. have openly stated their, their projection of hatred because that's hate. To want to see somebody fail, that's some hate. Hate, 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 hate. Right? So you're projecting your hatred on a person who's trying to revolutionize how we run our economy by giving people a livable wage, a wage where they can thrive. Right? He spoke to the good merits of people who've been able to enjoy life now that they make a certain amount of money and yeah here we are with the judgments and the hatred it goes all over everything's connected we are on one planet we are a people right and i agree it shouldn't be because of how you look that i feel compassionate because it ain't about how you look right. it ain't it shouldn't be because you come from where i come from because we all come from this place I'm telling you, the aliens gonna come, and then y'all gonna want to be on your Independence Day. <laughs> then y'all want to. Oh, I need your help. Oh, you you did need my help, but guess what? I'm playing for the aliens. Cause you tripping? Cause tripping. I'm headed to Andromeda. You out your mind? So you know, <laughs> I, I feel like we we've, we've had some some healthy healthy rants. Um, 
you know, affluent. Do you have any any final thoughts or final words for the people listening and, and how we step away from these harmful practices, harmful ways and step into a more healthy and a more happy, harmonious world? I mean, I feel like there's exciting, exciting things happening um, when it comes to dialogue. I think maybe everybody's kind of screaming at each other still, but at least they're talking to each other again. Um, and I think, you know, the next step is kind of listening. But I think we got, I think we've kind of started to move past the point where we don't want to hear each other. And I think I'm hopeful about that. And, you know, as we move forward, you know, to toward community, and we, you know, we change our practices of apathy, like, it, it begins with, you know, wanting a, a future, you know, that we can be proud of um, by making those choices today, you know, to really see each other, acknowledge each other, um, and be patient with each other, be, and yeah, be compassionate, be kind, be thoughtful, and you know if you if you have a small piece of pie, you know there are people who got none. You know, just you know, think of how you can, you know, pull your pull your slices together to be able to share with somebody, share with somebody else, share with another group, right? It's like group what you can together and share, and it's like. It's not so it's not so hard to do when you got a when you got a group of people also sharing a small piece. Right. It feels overwhelming and daunting to give you a give you a little bit of your little bit. Um, but we all find ways to to dispose at, at times of income and revenue. So if you, you know, if you have a life where, you know, it's not completely, you know, efficient, you know, it's, it's okay if it's, your life is only 81% efficient. Um, but, you know, if you operate with other people who are, you know, a little bit less efficient and a little bit more efficient, you'll be able to teach some things, you'll be able to learn some things. You know, we we could keep doing that and learning from these these younger people, these younger whole people who just have so many examples for us on how to look after and take care of each other. Uh, this next this next generation behind us does, and you know we can continue to learn a lot from them. And like, I'm just really grateful to be on this uh, this podcast to have this exchange. Uh, Thank you for everyone that's listening. You know, y'all the real lyrical ones. Y'all the ones who have stories to tell. Um, we appreciate you guys listening in. Like we in the spring of 2021, and it's still wild out here. <laughs> it's um, we still need creatives. We still need stories being told. We still need to you know see each other, see y'all, and. You know, do what you can. Now that they're taking some of these restrictions off, right, doesn't mean that they, you know, they told you all the truth. 
they some of these suffers they still selling wolf tickets so you know as they as we you know learn we've covered wolf tickets in the past we have covered wolf tickets on previous episodes you know when they lie to you when, they, when the government is crying wolf right people in authority is crying wolf um it's okay if you don't believe them it's okay if you do believe them and and it's okay if other people across from you don't believe them right so it's okay to have your opinion and it's okay to govern yourself you know to what you feel is best and safe for you and your family and your loved ones but but know that the growth happens with understanding the the change happens with the understanding and the implementation and so you know as you as you see what's what's to come you know we learn that relationships are important so if you go outside and hang out with your people you know cultivate those relationships you know make them stronger invite other people into your groups make small groups make small communities you know merge communities merge worlds uh, fusion is important to protecting the universe just make sure you practice your posture as often as possible and practice with love nah i mean you know i feel it you know everybody stay faithful stay faithful to yourselves stay faithful to something uh you know it's good to have hope but uh i feel like you know hope is somewhat existential and external and faith is something you got to really you got to really work on you got to really you got to build that right because for me i feel like faith is tied to, to that discipline and you know that's that's that work that everyday work to stay faithful right i could be hopeful but to stay faithful i gotta put that work in so stay stay faithful stay faithful stay fearless and you know it's, it's stay focused you know just to just to put it out there it's all sf at the end of the day lyrical ones versus everyone it's all love and all love. you know it's one of those things where uh yeah don't don't dismiss and disrespect someone because they don't believe what you believe and they don't they don't think how you think have a conversation and there will be some discovery to be had but it's a conversation right if you want to argue i'm right here i'm all for it but you know hit up senio he's gonna argue go ahead yeah. get it get it i'll get go it on Insta- i'll go on instagram live right now you come holler at me we gonna have a we could have a debate we could do that i'm it's a safe space okay just don't say nothing you'll regret because the internet is always watching and listening. And me, I ain't gonna I ain't gonna regret nothing. I'm wearing a mask. <laughs> I ain't gonna cancel you, but some other people might. Yeah, they might, yeah, they're gonna terminate your show. So be careful. Pull your account because it ain't yours to have anyway. But I digress. So you know But we got this one. <laughs> yeah, we got this one. So uh as they like to do at this time. I go for mine. It's all love. It's all love. It's all love.
one, 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 one. See, I held my breath that whole time. And 